This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, Keith Baldry's Baldry's Beat, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Start with the wildfires, and you've got Premier David Eby heading to... Heading in there today, Bowen yeah. Ma, the other cabinet minister responsible, they're going in. Where, what, what do you anticipate and today from them? Bruce Ralston, the yeah. forest minister. Yeah, so they're heading to Kamloops and Salmon Arm and, and Kelowna. It's interesting, when John Horgan became premier, so his predecessor, he made a point of not doing this. Remember, he said, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm, I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to get out of the way. His yeah. older brother had been a firefighter, uh, so he... So he somewhat famously said, I'm not going on these trips. So EB is taking a more traditional approach because certainly Christy Clark, Gordon Campbell, other premiers have visited fire zones. I had a very memorable visit to a fire zone with Gordon Campbell in Kamloops. Remember the barrier fire? Oh, sure. You know, we went up there, uh, flew around on the ground. It was quite something. And and Campbell was there front and center. Yeah. But that's a traditional approach. Christy Clark, the, the New Democrats used to, mock Christy Clark and deride her, called her premier photo op. Yeah, because she was always going in there with a yellow vest and a hard hat on and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So now he's taking a traditional approach and also bringing two of his ministers. There's yeah. always a, a risk, I think, for politicians to do this, but there also is an upside. I mean, I think volunteers like to meet Christy Clark, the premier. They like to meet Gordon Campbell, and they're going to like to meet David Eby, but... There is a potential downside. Are you exploiting the situation for political purposes? Yeah, and it's interesting to hear kind of some of the opposition uh, criticism now um, as we're a few days into this, especially the situation in a shoe swap. Mm -hmm. And I thought Global News did a great job last night on this issue with local people who are trying to organize supply lines into some of these communities on Shoe Swap Lake and then being told, though, by police roadblocks, do not you can't bring supplies in here. You can't bring in fuel, food, water. And it's really frustrating to people on the ground. Yeah. Now, I can understand, like, you can understand that the police are trying to protect people, right? They don't want them to get into trouble. Yeah, so it's just the latest example. The longer the situation goes on, the more frustration there is at the local level. Yeah. Um, we've seen it before in other situations. And certainly, from a news crew point of view, it does get frustrating, too, at not being allowed anywhere near the fires, anywhere yeah. near what's going on. And the Wildfire Service and the RCMP take a uh, very cautious approach, and sometimes that's understandable. They they say they know where the danger is, but the class the, the story we had on last night was classic. So our reporter Troy Charles was up there. Yes, and the residents on one side of Shoe Swap Lake wanted to take some supplies to a community that was not under evacuation on the other side of the lake, right. short distance away. And yeah. they said, "We'll hug the shoreline and then cross over." But the plea was no, don't do that because the the lake was being used for for various purposes. I think helicopters are coming in. Picking they're up they're water. picking up buckets of water out of the lake. So they said they would interfere. It. So you had yeah. the local residents on one side say, no, we have to bring supplies to our community on the other side of the lake, and the authorities saying, no, you can't do that. And so there was this wasn't a standoff or anything or a face off. It was just two different points of view. One. Very cautious. The other one being very frustrated. The longer, again, the longer these these evacuation orders are in place or this, this state of emergency, more fr- frustration you're going to see in some of these local communities. And again, we were there in two communities that were not under evacuation, but the concern was the lake itself, the use of it. 
was problematic from the wildfire and RCMP point. Yeah. Let's listen to Peter Millibar on this. He We talked about this earlier on the show. He's the BC United MLA in Kamloops, and he thinks that there has to be some kind of compromise set up here. Let's listen. They just blocked propane getting shipped to the Anglemont Marina, which is not in, a, in an order area at all. Yeah, right. Um, and so they now will not have electricity. They're expecting people to shelter in place for five, six, seven days here with no electricity. They're not in the evacuation order. So last I okay. checked, they don't qualify for getting vouchers. So where are these people supposed to go if it's a good point. Yeah, I think Millibar makes a very good point. Yeah. I mean, there has to be some sort of halfway point here, some compromise yeah. to allow people to function at a greater level. Just saying, uh, trust us. You're, you know, it's too dangerous out there. Don't move. We'll we'll talk to you in a week. That's, yeah, they got no power. That's not good enough for a lot of uh, local residents who are yeah. not in an order zone. They're not under evacuation. So, I thought last night perhaps it's the sign of things to come. I hope it isn't. I hope we don't see other frustration where residents are saying, no, we're not going to heed that advice or that order. We're going to bring supplies to community A or B. It's a, it's a fascinating situation, but it's not the first time we've seen this in wildfire situations. Yeah. 2021, 2017, 2018, we did have these situations in these sort of semi-remote communities uh, cut off and looking for a flow of goods. In and, and a lot of these communities have got this sort of local can-do attitude, roll mm-hmm. up our sleeves, help, ba- help our neighbors, better. help our neighbors, yeah. though, too, right? And they say they know the train, they know the communities. They right, know, and, and they, they do. They don't think they're taking any risks. And right. I, and I think, um, yeah, I mean, I don't doubt their, their intentions here at all. Right, because, you know, I heard people expressing frustration yesterday. They're being told, no, you can't take your boat out in the water because, you know, we may have helicopters coming down here to pick up water. Well, guess what? The helicopters weren't even flying because the smoke was so heavy. Yeah, so, and, and the Wildfire Service has a job to do as the RCMP, but sometimes the criticism at the local level, it's too restrictive, it's overly cautious, yeah. rather than being a little more flexible and have a little more compromise. Let's play something here that David Eby said to me, just to segue on a different sort of fire topic here. Now, of, of course, on, on Facebook and Instagram, owned by this the Meta Company, right, they have banned Canadian news conference or coverage and content because of their fight with Ottawa over taxation. And Trudeau and EB are both criticizing Facebook for doing this, saying you're leaving people in the dark without information in this emergency. Here's what EB had to say yesterday. So here's the BC Premier yesterday ripping Facebook. I find it astonishing uh, that we are at this stage of the crisis and uh, the owners of Facebook and Instagram have not come forward and said, look, we're trying to make a point with the federal government, but it's more important that people are safe. It's more important that they have access to basic information. They're holding British Columbians for ransom to make a point with Ottawa. Your thoughts? He, he then went on to actually name Mark Zuckerberg. Yes, I called out Zuckerberg. Him, Mr. Zuckerberg. I don't think Zuckerberg's losing any sleep over this. Uh, look, our, uh, I remember a few years ago some of our senior salespeople or, or uh, ad people were saying dealing with trying to monetize Facebook through content that we're putting up there uh, in, was was impossible because they they likened dealing with Facebook like dealing with a totalitarian regime. I mean, they hold all the cards. Yeah. So I don't think they care at all that Canada is doing this in terms of this legislation. It's having zero impact. In fact, it's having a reverse. Uh, intention here of now being penalized. Yes. Uh, and if you want a sort of a, a game of chicken here, Facebook isn't going to blink. They don't care about a relatively small, tiny country like Canada versus the hundreds of millions, if not more than a billion uh, people that they uh, have as an audience. So one little blip 
of Canada or BC is means nothing to them. Yeah, we'll talk more about this later on the show because there is a movement now among people who are really, really angry at Facebook here for banning Canadian news content. And there's a boycott movement against Facebook as a result because of, the, especially with the wildfire emergency. But like you said, I don't think Mark Zuckerberg is shaking in his boots so over this. You know, I've got, a, I'm not very active on Facebook, but I'm, yeah. I'm you know, got, I don't know, 5,000 Facebook friends, who, some of whom I even know. Um, but I haven't detected much of a drop-off of people saying, I'm quitting, I'm out of here. Yeah. I, I think Facebook is, is used less and less. I think it was a real shiny new toy a few years ago. Yeah. It's still there. It's still massively used. But Instagram, TikTok has sort of taken over. Twitter um, is different, but um, uh, Google is another one that yeah. uh, is part of the whole thing here, which is very frustrating from a news point of view. Let me play it. Here's a really interesting clip of Pierre Polyev here just to finish up because with the wildfires that are going on in, in British Columbia right now and also in the Northwest Territories, uh, Catherine McKenna, who's a former liberal minister. cabinet minister, um, she said this week that Polyev's threat to cancel the carbon tax in the middle of this wildfire crisis basically makes him an arsonist. Yeah. He, he said basically Polyev and the conservatives are arsonists because of their promise to get rid of the carbon tax with these wildfires going on. So Polyev was asked about that yesterday. Here's, how, here's what he said. Now a former liberal minister saying that anybody who doesn't want to pay higher taxes is an arsonist. Really? Really? As if if we paid higher taxes, we'd have less forest fires? Come on. Let's get back to some common sense in this country. And let's start to bring our people together instead of tearing the country apart. It's an interesting preview uh, debate we might see in an election here. A bit, bit of a gift to Poliev. I mean, this is so? an over-the-top comment. Arson. If she yeah. was a, still a sitting cabinet minister, it'd be a much bigger story than it was. I think she would have to... I mean, cabinet ministers don't behave that way. Yeah. But she's an ex-minister, so she's free to do what she wants on Twitter and make statements yeah. like that. But that's uh, I think that's completely over-the-top. You can certainly criticize... I mean, Poliev is leading these acts the tax rallies. Yes. And we've talked before, there is going to be this legitimate policy debate now about the effectiveness of the carbon tax. It doesn't apply to BC. We have our own carbon tax. It's been there for years. Uh, so what Poliev is talking about doesn't really affect BC. He's not going to ta- uh, axe BC's carbon tax. No, he can't. He can't. All right. Um, but it'll be interesting whether there's a spillover effect into the political arena in BC. Yeah. Does it become an issue between the NDP and BC United? So far, it's not. No one's calling for an end of the carbon tax here in BC. And I think it'd be problematic because the carbon tax now has basically become locked into the revenue stream of, of the provincial government. And dismissing yeah. the carbon tax out of hand, I think it's a $2.3 billion budget item. Mm. And you get rid of that, just you know, what replaces that? Yeah. Or does anything get – does that just mean the debt goes up and the deficit goes up? Or do you replace it with a different type of tax? But I think Poliev has made a political gamble here at a national level for his side of the ledger, his side of the spectrum – Getting rid of this tax when the desired impact of the tax is not necessarily what uh, the evidence doesn't support that it's doing what it's supposed to do because our emissions keep going up. Yeah, um, this is going to be an election issue, and he's made a calculated gamble that his argument is going to resonate with his side of the spectrum better than the other one. Keith Baldry is my guest. Right to your phone calls, John in Surrey. Hey, John, go ahead. Hi, Mike. Uh, Trudeau, he's got a black heart. He um saw this terrible tragedy as an opportunity to put pressure on on Facebook and other companies. If he really cared, he would have suspended his fees on uh, news broadcasting during the fire so that they could post the stuff. Like, uh, that guy's he's, he's just a terrible man. I can't believe he would uh, 
try and pull a fast one like that. Well, I think they miscalculated. Thank you for the call. Keith, your thoughts, but we were talking off air. You know, Australia pulled a similar move on Facebook, and they were able to kind of negotiate a deal with Facebook. And yeah. maybe maybe Canada, I mean, Trudeau thought that Facebook would blink here. And I think Facebook was like, you know, we've got to draw a line in the sand here. We're not going to keep, we're not going to pay these taxes. Well, John so. used an interesting word, pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Trudeau's putting pressure on Facebook at all. Like no. I say, I just don't, I think we're a tiny little mouse yeah. uh, in a big, big zoo. Uh, where the animals are much bigger than us, and Facebook doesn't really care. So I don't think they detect or feel any pressure here uh, from the Trudeau government. He, he raises an interesting point, though, that if if it's really that important that we get these news links on Facebook, maybe what you should do is back away from the tax demand. and yep. then just at least temporarily. Yeah. And again, because the current approach is having zero impact. Well, now it's made it worse. Purpose. It's yep. made it worse for people now. Yeah. Dev in Vancouver. Hi, Dev. Go ahead. Gentlemen, you're old enough to remember the 2003 forest fires we had. You're old enough to remember the floods we had in 1990, which both repeated themselves. Polyev is right. How is a carbon tax going to help us? The government of BC, as you know, collects $5.8 billion and only $900 million went to clean BC. The rest went to general revenue. This was a failure, a catastrophic failure of government planning. I wish you guys would bring locals on to your show who talked about in the wintertime, they would do slash burning, mitigation measures. But what I want to know, and I'd like to ask you, because you were there, what did we do after, what lessons did we implement from 2003? Thank you, Dev, for the call. Yeah, so George Abbott, former social, former BC Liberal Minister, did a review, did a, a, an inquiry here, or not an inquiry, but did a review that has led to some changes, but they, you can argue, are they having an impact, which is more over the winter, uh, getting rid of the fuel off the floor, doing more mitigation before the fire season starts. So the wildfire service is now a year-round service rather than just a seasonal one, and that's been in the case for a couple of years. Last year was not a bad fire season at all. Yeah, uh, right. It was almost non-existent. It was one of our easiest seasons. Yeah. This year is the worst ever. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen next year? So maybe it takes time for these mitigation measures to have an impact. Obviously, not having the desired impact in the in the Okanagan. Although they brought in, they did bring in mitigation measures in in communities like West Kelowna, despite what we've seen. Like they, there have been programs there for yeah. encouraging people to clear out brush around your house and stuff like that. Yeah, you and know. you could argue, did it have the desired impact? Well, obvious, some houses obvious. were saved. I mean, some in an inferno saved. like that, maybe there's just nothing you can do. Well, I remember touring um, Kelowna in the aftermath of the, the Kelowna Mountain Fire, and it was fascinating. You'd see this scarred landscape, and then every you know every couple blocks or whatever, a house was standing. Yeah. And But the neighbors, didn't. They, they didn't do prescribed burning back then. They didn't clear the bush. It was almost luck of the draw that the fire would come racing down the mountainside and suddenly veer left or right and spare a house. Yeah. So you say all these houses wiped out, and in the middle of it would be standing one house. So that was more of a luck of the draw. Now there's more planning. Uh, and, again, we'll see. They haven't gone and done a detailed look yet at West, West Kelowna. Yeah. They did a preliminary look, but they did. Uh, the fire chief there did talk about how it was so intense the street signs have melted. Yeah, They don't know. It's hard to actually get a grid sense in West Kelowna right now in terms of what is gone and what's standing. 